Hey, welcome to Renton Christian Center and our Sunday morning message. Hope you enjoy it, and I hope you hear from God in the process. You know, last Sunday, if you were here, uh, we celebrated water baptism uh, for two of our ladies in church. And uh, one of those gals uh, was Magalie Lamorel. And uh, she said to you, thank you for all these months of support and care and love. This is my last Sunday. I'm moving to California. Well, it turns out that's coming this afternoon. She's still here. And she, she texted and said, hey, I've just got a little testimony I'd like to share about what God's done in my life since I've become a believer in the past year and started giving my life over to him. So would you mind listening to her story? Come on up here, Magalie. Come on up. And tell us what happened to your hand. So eight weeks ago, I had a freak accident when I was down in California working. Um, I was talking, if you guys can imagine, and I actually hit my hand on a glass. And the glass, instead of falling over, it actually shattered into my hand, cut the side of my hand. Um, I had to get seven stitches. And I actually had a gash on the front of my hand, which at that time didn't think it was that you know, uh, big of a deal, but came to find out that it actually severed the nerves in my hand. And so this week, I actually had to have um, nerve repair surgery because the longer you wait, the less, you know, opportunity that you have for it to actually repair. And so, um, you know, I, I followed the doctor's advice and got it this week, but also realized that I was moving at the end of the week with my three children. And I was going to try to do it by myself with this on my arm. And they actually told me I'd have two fingers out and a little splint on the three other fingers. But this kind of looks like a cast to me, not necessarily a splint. So my mother came up here to save the day. Um, and she's, thank you, mom. And she's gonna actually come, you know, help me take the three kids down this afternoon. So that's why I'm here, as opposed to leaving yesterday by myself. Because my mom said, you think you might be able to do it, but you're gonna lose one of your kids in the airport. <laughs> so I took her advice, because I didn't think that was a really good idea. So I actually wanted to share um, a testimony really quick. And what it's about is trusting God um, to help you along your journey and to be bold enough to ask for a sign if you're not sure if you're on, your, on the right path. And so, you know, as I told you, I found God right here over there in this church. And I had a lot of different trials and tribulations that happened over the past year. And one of the most amazing things that I'd say as far as testimony I want to share today. And so, I um, had been interviewing for some jobs down in California. You know, my dad recently passed away from lung cancer two months ago. And so I had been flying back and forth to support my family and really wanted to go and, and move back there. And, and I was um, interviewing for jobs, found, you know, a couple different opportunities in which thought that were the most, you know, perfect opportunities. And I had prayed because I was trying to make sure that I wasn't being hasty and I was just trying to move there and being emotional. And I I wanted to make sure that it was really God's work that I was supposed to be moving back to California. And so one day I was listening to Joel Olstein, and he was giving, um, telling a story about how um, this lady was um, about to get married. And she wasn't sure if she was supposed to get remarried because she was actually a widow. And so she asked God for a sign that she was actually supposed to get remarried. And what she said was that, you know what, I'm a simple woman. I'm, you know, not the smartest, but I need a very clear sign that my husband is okay with me getting remarried. And so she asked for, I want to see a rainbow. Show me a rainbow if 
I am supposed to get remarried. So she went to her wedding place, her wedding site, and long behold, there was not just one rainbow, there was actually two rainbows, one from God and one from her husband, signaling that you know, it was okay for her to get remarried. And so she asked the people that actually were there, um, you know, do you see rainbows all the time? And they had told her, you know, no, this is the first time that we've seen rainbows. It doesn't happen at the spot. And so, you know, she knew at that moment in time that it really was God's blessing. And so, you know, I heard this and I said, you know, what? I'm going to be bold too. I'm simple. I'm not the smartest. I need a direct sign. Show me a rainbow, right? I need to see a rainbow that I'm supposed to move to California. So I'm driving, you know, to work that, you know, to work that day. And I'm just like, am I, you know, supposed to move here? Am I being hasty? I need to see a rainbow. And it was in California and it was kind of overcast and maybe it was going to rain, but I was just like, you know, what are the chances of me seeing a rainbow? Like, am I really going to be able to call a rainbow? And so the day went on, I totally, completely forgot about the rainbow. And I had, um, you know, gone back and forth with different interviews. They were totally excited about me, but then I just heard nothing. And I was just like, wait a second. Like, I was supposed to hear back. They told me I was going to hear and didn't want to be too pushy. And I, long behold, later that evening, when I completely forgot about it, I was sitting at one of my friend's house, and in the reflection of the TV was a rainbow spinning out of control. And it looked like as if the reflection on the light was um, causing a rainbow. It looked like a fan was spinning uncontrollably. And I asked my friend, I said, do you see the rainbow all the time? And he's like, oh yeah, I see the rainbow. And I'm just like, okay, well, so then I kind of dismissed it. And because I was just like, well, they see it all the time. The story that I heard was, you know, it never happened. And so a couple days later, still didn't hear anything back. And I was sitting in the same spot and I looked up and, and I saw the rainbow again, but this time it wasn't moving. And I, I asked my friend, I said, the, the, that's the rainbow. Is that the rainbow that you saw? And he said, yeah, that's what I see all the time. And I said, well, the difference is, is it's not spinning now. Before when I saw it, it got my attention because it was spinning out of control. Well, there is no way that those lights could have been spinning because it looked like it was reflecting off a fan and there was no fan there. And so I knew at that moment in time, that was my rainbow and that was a sign that God gave me that I was supposed to stay in California and I wasn't being hasty. And um, a couple days later, I got a call back. The position that I originally applied for, it actually fell through. It was a, a vendor that we were going to work with um, fell through, and so that position wasn't going to be available. And they actually um, recommended me to a former, another organization that they had partnered with, and I actually have a job that's way better than I could ever imagine the one that I originally signed up for. So... Just want to tell you, I mean, that's one of the most amazing, awesome things that I've ever experienced. And um, so just wanted to leave you guys with Isaiah 711. Ask the Lord, your God, for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights, and he will respond. So just keep a lookout and ask God when you're on your journey, and he definitely will show you your way. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Megalee. I'm glad you stayed for an extra day. That was worth it. Well, as we get into God's Word, some of you are aware that we're working through a series on spiritual gifts and uh, kind of tilling the soil of our hearts a little bit before we get into the details by reminding ourselves how unique we are, how unlike any person who's ever lived on the planet or ever will live, we are. And the reason that's so important is because since the fall of man, we humans tend to check with each other to see how we're doing and check with each other to see if we're 
being approved of right now. Check with each other to see if we're still, you know, kind of in an agreeable part of the group. Does everybody sort of like me still? And so what that does, it detracts entirely from sometimes the things God wants to do in us because he, like the scripture says, often wants to do something brand new. We haven't seen before, haven't been there before. We have no clue about it before. And if we're allowing fears or peer pressure or other people's criticism to keep us in this little box, uh, we often will fail to discover what God has for us. Um, Along those lines, I was just kind of doing a little ruminating on the whole human genome. Have you heard of that? Apparently, they've mapped every combination of DNA that could ever possibly exist in the human race, and they've got it down on, probably not paper, probably on a computer somewhere. But I don't know a whole lot of detail about that, but they said, we're finished. We got it all. Every possibility is out there, and I don't know what that implies. But it sounds to me like there are literally billions of combinations that a DNA molecule can be formed into. Wouldn't you agree? And out of one DNA molecule, there are probably billions of combinations of molecules assembled together. Wouldn't you agree? And wouldn't it make sense that if that's true and there are no two human beings alike, then we have to accept the fact that God designed us intentionally exactly the way we turned out. Now, I know there's an influence of nurture, how we are raised and the environment that we grow up in, and then there's the influence of nature. And obviously, nurture has a lot to do with how we end up. But I'm talking about the nature part, the created part, the work of God's hand. If you and I, again, would study the wonders of his works, not just out there in creation, not just in everybody else, but also, Lord, what have you done in me? And the reason that's so critical is because he said to uh, Jeremiah, I'm going to get to that in a second, but I want to say this first. I, I don't know whose quote this is, but it's a great quote. The surest path to acceptance in society is standardization and conformity. Does that make sense? If you want to be accepted, just be like everyone else. And the more we willingly relinquish our uniqueness, the less of God's image we display. That's powerful. If you really believe you're called to display the image of God and be conformed into the image of Christ, continue to be uniquely you. And here's what God said to Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And I think you could take out the word prophet and put any other calling or gift in there that you want. And it would be true about you and I as well. He formed you and he appointed you as an evangelist to the nations, a comforter to the nations, a servant to the nations, a musician to the nations. Whatever your gift mix is, we have to understand our unique wiring from the hand of God was intentional. So to worship him for the works he's done, not worship yourself. You don't worship the pot. You worship the potter. And so this morning, what I want to do is begin the process of going through some of the gifts of the spirit and, um, kind of just do a light touch because, uh, you know, if you want to get in deeply, it's going to take some time and some study and thought and getting into some paperwork and assessment and those kind of things. And, and by the way, um, the assessment that I showed you last week, it's online. You can do it on your phone. How many of you tried that this week? How many of you took a shot at it? Good. Yeah. One. That's not, that's not enough, just so you know. I want you to give it a shot this week. Okay. Take time in front of your computer. It's probably easier for me and a big keyboard versus little... 
phone screen. But it's really helpful because it'll, it'll either confirm things you already knew and give you more confidence, or it'll surprise you and show you some things about yourself that you didn't know. And maybe you're kind of intriguing or exciting and worth pursuing and learning and growing in. So take a look at that. And if you don't want to write that down, I know it's kind of long, you can go to our website, rccfoursquare.org, and it's still up there in the right-hand corner. You can just click right there, and it'll take you straight to the assessment. Okay, so take a look at that. Um, as you and I are doing this, we're going to realize, okay, there are some specific things that I'm kind of natural, strong, useful at, and other things I'm not not natural, it's kind of forced, uh, not always helpful to other people. So knowing which is which is always a good thing, wouldn't you say? Yes. So let's take a look at what Paul says. Working through Romans chapter 12, we are now on verse 4. And Paul says this, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have, say it, different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, there are two ways you can go about all these gifts. Some people say there are about 30 to 33 spiritual gifts listed in the New Testament, and you can go through each and every one in high detail and all kinds of intense study and all kinds of things, or you can just kind of take a glance, and that's what I'm going to do this morning, take a glance at these seven gifts here. And you have to remember, when Paul's writing these lists, these lists are not exhaustive, meaning these are the exact names of them, and this is all there are, and there's no other combination or anything else. This is exactly the list, and it's complete. They're actually exemplary lists. The ones in Corinthians, 1 Peter, and here in Romans. Exemplary means these are the kinds of things the Holy Spirit has given. And they often come in different shapes and sizes and different combinations and, and uh, mixes inside of us. So don't get too uptight about, oh no, I, I, I have a gift of prophecy. Oh, that's the last thing I ever wanted. Oh my gosh, no, 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 no. There's a whole thousand different ways you can actually operate in the gift of prophecy. Okay, so we're going to take a kind of a, a glance at these seven, and we're going to put them in groups. And I think um, one of the easiest ways to group gifts is uh, to say these are all speaking gifts. And these are all behind-the-scenes kind of gifts, and kind of taking a broad overview of those sort of things. So let's take a look at the, at the first two. There's probably four of these that are speaking gifts, and I would say the first two would be prophecy and encouragement. And you know you probably have a speaking gift if or when you prophesy like Agabus or like the four daughters of Philip. Agabus, if you don't know the story, shows up in Acts chapter 21. And this is when Paul is uh, just about to go to Rome and see Caesar face to face, probably be put on trial, probably be imprisoned. And yet he's excited because he gets to preach the gospel to like the, the emperor of the kingdom, of the empire. And so he's getting ready. He's excited. He's an evangelist at heart. He can't wait. And so Agabus comes up, who, by the way, had apparently been fruitful in the gift of prophecy because they gave him the title, prophet. Not everybody who prophesies is necessarily a prophet. Prophets that hold the office of prophet 
have established that over years, sometimes decades, that are recognized across the church. Not only do they sense it, but others go, we need to hear from you because when you pray, you hear God. We want to make sure to confirm or redirect what God's saying. So Ag- Agabus was one of those, kind of high-end prophet, not your everyday run-of-the-mill Sunday morning church prophet. So um, he comes up to Paul, and he, and he says to Paul, give me your belt. And he takes a belt off him, and then he ties himself up in knots with the belt. And he said, this is what will happen to the man who leaves here to go see Caesar. Don't go. Okay, so this is what Agabus thinks is the word of the Lord and delivers to Paul. Paul, of course, being fairly obstinate in a good way for the kingdom, says, I'm going anyway. I don't really care. Let them do what they want to do. I've got to go. I've got to preach to the emperor. Now, the reason I share that story is because if, if you have the gift of prophecy, you probably have creative ways of seeing things. Prophets often use object lessons when they're describing things to other people. When you're trying to teach someone something or encourage them, you will often hear yourself say, it's kind of like, and then you'll paint a picture. That's the gift of prophecy. There's often a lot of pictures and symbols and uh, creativity that comes along with the communication. And if that's the way you communicate, you're not all math and linear, but you're kind of like flowery and creative, you may have the gift of prophecy. The other example we have here is also in uh, the book of Acts 21. It's the daughters of Philip. We don't know much about them, but what I think is very, very cool about the fact that they were listed is it puts two myths to bed. Uh, first myth is, can't have women in ministry. Well, sorry, New Testament <laughs> daughters of one of the you know, evangelists, uh, apostles, they were in ministry full-time, and they also had a reputation for hearing the Lord and speaking to others. The other myth that puts to death is that um, the gifts died with the apostles. Well, this is years after, except for Paul, all the apostles are dead, and they're not one of them. They're daughters of one of the leaders in the church. So when I say the word prophecy, just kind of a little definition, it simply means to speak forth the word of God, to speak forth. It's not always predictive. It's I kind of hear what God's saying. I sense a need out there, and I think here's what the Lord is presently wanting to say to you or about this right now. Sometimes it's predictive, but don't be hung up in the fact that some of the things you, you think you hear the Lord say are just sort of for like right now. Or maybe it's uh, to give someone a fresh perspective on an event that happened yesterday or last week. You know, the Lord sees what you went through, and he wants you to know that will not delay what he promised. Something like that. So the gift of prophecy often is creative. It's unusual. And this kind of gift is, is the one that's actually more of a moment-by-moment. Moment. It comes, and then you're done. And you don't walk in this office or this um, full-time ministry where you just go around prophesying all the time. That's kind of a moment-by-moment. It comes, and then it goes. It comes, and then it goes. It often will happen when you're praying for somebody. And uh, you're just praying, and suddenly you get this image. We were praying for a young woman who was being licensed as a minister last Thursday, and, and the Lord gave me this image of a river just running through this beautiful, fertile valley with trees and fruit. You know, kind of like the Psalms 1 picture. Um, if you meditate on the word of the Lord, you'd be like a well-watered garden. So I just shared that with her, and that was just kind of a picture, and she was brought to tears, and it was just an affirmation that God says, he sees your diligence, he sees your hard work, it will pay off, you are doing the right thing, you're right on track. 
So that's the gift of prophecy, just a general, quick idea. The other speaking gift, the second one, not the only other one, but is the gift that Paul calls encouragement. Encouragement means to come alongside. It comes, it's like cheerleaders, like, you can do it, you can do it, go, 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 come on, yes, you can do it, go, 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 come on, come on, keep going. Encouragement, whatever it takes to get someone moving in the right direction for the right reasons. Don't give up. Don't be weary in well-doing. The uh, character I like to look at is Barnabas. He was known as the son of encouragement. In fact, Bar-Nabus means son of encouragement. Barnabas. And it's also a speaking gift. And if you have the, the gift of encouragement, you probably are very optimistic most of the time. You probably see the bright side of everything. No matter what happens, you go, yeah, but. And when there's something negative, yeah, but. It's the yeah, but on the positive side. So it's probably just kind of your nature, and it might drive some people crazy at times because sometimes people want to get serious and look at the negative. It's important we take a look at this. And uh, not just always go, yeah, but God, yeah, but this is possible. So you're probably kind of an optimistic person, probably looking at the bright side of things and uh, probably have a gift of faith. Also, you can see things in the heavenly realms with just possibilities that God is powerful, God can do it. So you're just kind of a, a real upbeat, positive person. Those are the things you tend to speak. You know that Barnabas, his story in Acts 4 is, is very cool. He was a teacher as well as a, an encourager, and uh, he kept the saints in Antioch moving forward against all kinds of extreme pressure and opposition. Don't give up, guys. We can do this. God's got this. And it says that in Antioch, that is where the believers were first called Christians. Now, this is interesting. I can hear Barnabas coining that word. You know why? Because he's probably going, hey, following Jesus is kind of like, here comes another picture, is kind of like being a little Christ. We are all, because that's what Christian literally means, we are all little Christ. And I can see him just encouraging and teaching and having little sermonettes or small groups in his home where he's just reminding, remember, we are little Christ. We are the Jesus that people see here on earth. And so if you have the gift of encouragement, you too probably have a very creative uh, set of language skills. You probably have an optimistic point of view in everything you do. So prophecy, speaking forth the word of God to encourage, to strengthen, to inspire. Encouragement, very similar, often work hand in hand. Letting people know God's got this, don't give up, keep going. Then there are two more speaking gifts. Uh, we'll call them leading and teaching I started looking for verses about Peter. Would you say Peter had the gift of leadership? Yeah, it started in the garden when he cut off the guy's ear. I'll take care of it, don't worry. That was the unredeemed gift of leadership, right? But it showed that he had just kind of this natural impulse. He was genetically designed to kind of just take charge and take off and go do stuff. But it was an anointed and a redeemed Peter who stepped out of the boat before anybody else did. That's leadership. He leads by example, not just by the spoken word. It's also leadership when there was conflict in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 18, and uh, they weren't sure what to do with the Gentile believers because they've got these weird habits they're bringing into the church. Man, they're drinking blood and all kinds of stuff. It's immoral. Ugh. And so Peter said, you know what, let's have a big conference. Let's everybody get together, get our heads together. And then he's the one that summarized, here's the only two demands we are to put on them. 
live a moral life, and stop drinking blood. Everything else, let the Holy Spirit take care of. So Peter's got this boldness. He's got this ability to kind of see the big picture, tell people what to do, unapologetic, not too worried about hurting people's feelings or stepping on their feet. If you have that personality, even aside from being a believer, there's a chance that's also a spiritual gift. Do you know some leaders in your life? People that's kind of, they're sort of sometimes blowing a china closet, but other times they're just like, perfect. That's the gift of leadership. So when you sense these kinds of things, the, the key here, this is unlike the gift of prophecy, where you might feel like, you know, I'm a... I'm sort of a limelight person. I don't mind being up front. I don't mind being on stage. Uh, and I don't mind public speaking. That's not necessarily leadership. That might just be the momentary, hey, inspire, go sit down. Hey, give direction, go sit down. The gift of leadership is a long-term, persevering, committed relationship with followers where you realize if you're going to start this thing, you've got to sustain it, and you've got to keep it going, and you've got to be there to take the hits when they happen, and you've got to be there to say, I'm not giving up. That's why you're not giving up. So the gift of leadership really is kind of a high, high calling. It's like when Paul said to Timothy, or was it Titus, he who wants to be an elder seeks a noble task. So not everybody who's good up front or on stage is necessarily a called or gifted leader. It has a lot to do with commitment, perseverance, not giving up, and taking the hit. So it's, it's a tough job. But, of course, if you're called and designed for it, it's the best place on earth. Often combined with the gift of teaching, often combined with the gift of shepherding, both of also, which are long-term commitments. Okay, let's take a look at teaching. The last of these four first gifts. You know you have a speaking gift when you teach like Apollos. Now, Apollos, there's not a whole lot known about him. All it says that he lived and taught the Christians in Alexandria for a long time. Alexandria, northern Africa, one of the earliest Christian communities, one of the first churches. In fact, the first church in Africa, uh, still there today. So Apollos had this reputation for having been there teaching for a long time. But beyond that, Alexandria, even today, is known as one of the education capitals of the world. Some of the earliest, strongest schools ever in history were founded in Alexandria and today has some of the strongest universities in the world. More books in the city of Alexandria than any other city. That's generalization. So Apollos was just kind of part of this community of the learned. And so you know you're a teacher if you like hanging around with studious people because they just kind of intrigue you and you have great conversations and you talk about stuff a lot of people don't care about because you like getting into the weeds or something like that. Teachers often not just teach well, but they also love learning. There's a curiosity. They just love sort of always taking notes and always grappling with stuff and always asking why, how, what. So if you have the gift of teaching, it's probably the way you operate sort of on a natural basis. And when Apollos came around and um, I think it was Paul that came to him and said, hey, have you heard of the Holy Spirit? Curious, man. Antenna went up. Holy Spirit, what's that? No, no. Never heard of it. Let's learn. Let's learn. Let's learn. Sure enough, taught him everything he needed to know and uh, received the Holy Spirit and just enhanced his teaching even more. Now, you may have heard the, the phrase preaching and teaching. The apostles went about preaching and teaching. And they're probably interchangeable. What do I do on Sunday? Do I preach or teach? Well, I don't know. But let's, let's refine it just a little bit because they're 
are some differences. Preaching is kind of like what Peter did a lot of. He always told people what to do. Repent, get saved, turn to the Lord. It's always a, a what kind of message. It's just a lot of motivation, a lot of conviction, and a lot of just strong, get off the dime and do it. The teacher, on the other hand, says now that we know what to do, let's talk about how to do it. Let's, let's go three steps in a poem. You know, one, two, three, do this, that, and the other, and ta-da, you'll be there. Peter will be happy. So if, if you're more of a how person, you're probably more of a teacher than a preacher, which is like an exhortation, encouragement. Even prophetic voices are preachers. Teachers love the steps. They love linear. They love making complex things simple. And that may be you. So for all four of those speaking gifts, can I just encourage you? I hear the Lord saying, walk in them. Don't wait for a Sunday morning invitation. Walk in them wherever you go. Be sensitive to the need, the human being sitting across from you, so you're not wearing people down. You're not blasting them ahead of the Holy Spirit. But you're available, and you're not afraid, because God designed you this way. Put you together this way. Look for those open doors to take those opportunities. I think that's about all we need to say. Let's take a look at the second set of gifts, the behind-the-scenes gift. You know you have a behind-the-scenes type of gift, and I use that to kind of compile. There are going to be many others, but right here, there are just three, giving, serving, and mercy. Okay, not really stage gifts, but behind-the-scenes. And you know you have a behind-the-scenes gift when you give like Lydia of Thyatira. What a fascinating story this woman was. She was living in, I'm trying to use my memory, it might have been Ephesus at the time, I believe it was. And Paul came to Ephesus, this is in the book of Acts, yeah, Acts 16, and uh, he's preaching the gospel, and he heard that there was this group of women meeting down by the river, praying. They weren't Christians, they were Jews. Lydia of Thyatira is a Greek, a Roman, she's a, she's a Gentile, she's not a Jew. But she has this this love for God, and she's probably what's known as a, a God-fearer, not a Jew. But the Jews accepted her because she worshiped the same God. They knew nothing about Jesus. But Lydia of Thyatira, it said of her that she was a maker of purple. Now, I used to always read that and go, okay, I got the adjective, but what's the noun? The purple what? You know, finish the sentence. So I did a little research and realized, no, she's probably a maker of purple dye that uh, she was actually quite the businesswoman, very skilled and strategic in her businesses, and uh, probably doing quite well because purple dye was very difficult to get, and it was used for all kinds of things, from fabric to shoes and skins and everything you could imagine. And when she met Paul, she said to him, why don't you come and your band of believers come and stay at our house? which again implies, okay, she's got space, she's got room, probably not married, maybe her husband had died, maybe the kids are gone, but she's got this spirit of generosity. She's, she's probably got the wherewithal to help, too. So when you have the spirit of giving, you probably have the wherewithal to do it as well. The, the call, the gift, I should say, of giving. Now, obviously, every Christian's called to give, Right? Like every Christian's called to serve. There's a universal mandate for all of us. But when you have this gift, it's exceptional. You, you have a generosity that is just unusual. And you're just like, 
just able to give and love to give, and you just like are so excited when the kingdom of God is advanced or a crisis is averted because a family was going to lose their house and suddenly they're not. That's just an awesome thing. Generally, people with a gift of giving do not want credit. They do not want to be out front. That's part of that maturity of developing that gift. They, they don't even want their names on it. They would love an anonymity if they can. But they have this love for advancing the kingdom. They also have a tendency to be very strategic in their income stream. Like Lydia, businesswoman. Very strategic. I mean, a lot of us would love to give more money to missions, more money to church or outreach or something else. I mean, how many of you wouldn't? We love the feeling when we give. But not all of us have this ability to strategically build wealth like other people do. Some people just, I don't know, they blink and money rolls in. And I'm going, man, I have to, I have to roof a house for a week to make a couple bucks. And that just kills me. I'm not very strategic at, on the income side of things. I can work hard, but it's not the same as some of my friends and some of you. So if you have the gift of giving, you're going to love it. You love advancing the kingdom. You have the ability to collect, and God honors you when you do it his way. Often we'll come with another gift of administration and the gift of faith. Okay, and so the last two are serving and showing mercy. And there's one woman in the Bible. Speaking of Tabitha, I had a grandson last Monday. Yeah. If you don't know, Tabitha's my, our granddaughter. She's a year and a half. And my daughter, Claire, and Marcelo, her husband, just had uh, Luca Manuel Segura uh, just after midnight on Sunday night. So this is Monday morning. And uh, baby Luca is a strapping young man. He's uh, 10 pounds and 3 ounces. Yeah, mom is fine. Yeah, mom is fine. Everybody's home, and they're doing well, and the little man is so cool. Yeah, he came out. You know how most boys, you know, the voice doesn't develop till later in life. He came out and said, hi. <laughs> so. All right, back to Tabitha. The last two gifts, and we'll wrap it up. You know you have a behind-the-scenes gift like mercy and serving, when, like Tabitha, you're always doing good and helping the poor. That's a direct quote about her life in Acts 9. Now, the reason she's listed in there is because she had passed away. And people were brokenhearted. They missed her. They missed her. They missed her. Now, don't you, can't you just immediately relate as to why they might have missed her? Because she's always there, probably everybody's mom. Just caring, comforting, and providing, and just tirelessly being available and serving them, being practical, and, and uh, just loving and showing mercy and having a sensitive heart and all of those things. And so she had bonded, I'm sure, with a lot of the believers in that group of people. And so uh, their hearts were torn. It's kind of like Gloria Stop just passed away. Many of you didn't know her in our body, but there were a handful of people with whom she was terribly close and those bonds were deep, and it was very painful loss. Uh, we would invite you all to come to her memorial on the 27th. 17th, yeah. Thank you. So Dorcas has this gift. Of, and, and if you have the gift of, of serving, you're probably an energetic person. A lot of people look at those who are kind of servants, and you might say, wow, not much of a personality. They're sort of quiet and shy. And, uh, but, boy, you, you put them on a project, and they're like machines, man. They just go like 
dynamite. You know, work, 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 work. Great work, at, work ethic. A lot of people that are, have a gift of serving, they don't need a lot of applause, but they just, love, give me something to do, baby. And I'll think of Ken, you know, with this carpet roll. It's, he's an example, man, of a guy with a gift of serving. Whereas other people will go, I'll say, can you take out the trash? Ah, okay. Yeah, that's not your gift, but do it anyway. So you have a lot of energy, generally um, great work ethic, uh, not wanting or needing a lot of applause, but people with the gift of serving, here's one thing you do notice is when those who are being served are advanced, you go, oh, Alex didn't have to think about the carpet as soon as he walked in because it was already done. He could focus on other things that God has called him to. Um, you probably, if you have a gift of serving, love doing things as long as you don't have to be in charge. A lot of people have a gift of leadership and service as well, but don't feel badly if you just kind of go, you know, uh, I'll do it, but somebody else be the boss. That's actually an okay thing. One of your limitations will be a benefit for somebody else who is called to leadership. And finally, the last one here that Dorcas also had was showing mercy. It was this natural ease with showing grace. Had a failure, I got this, man. Let's pray. I, I accept you. You know, a lot of people with a gift of mercy are, are some of the most non-judgmental people you'll ever meet. You know, you and I might come to somebody and say, I need to confess a sin here and uh, be a little terrified because we don't know what kind of reaction we're going to get. People with a gift of mercy, you don't sense that. You go, I'm safe. I feel safe with this person because you've got this broad, wide open heart that says, you know, there's no sin that Jesus did not die for and there's no sin that you've committed that I probably haven't committed in some way myself. That compassion is born out of personal realization that, hey, I'm a broken human, you're a broken human and we got this because God's got this. People with the gift of mercy are also some of the uh, most generous people with their time and their energy. Maybe not in resources or money, but they've got time for you, and you've got time for them if you have that gift. You know, on each one of these, there's probably a weakness that's available as well. It might be, like let's say the gift of leadership, instead of calling it a weakness, let's call it overusing your strength. Like people with the gift of leadership sometimes will be too bossy. We don't need a boss right now. Just go be quiet, you know. <laughs> Got it. We got that. Uh, people with the gift of mercy, they could be sometimes too much of an enabler. They feel so much compassion, they want to start doing all the work for that person instead of saying, there is a role that you play. People with the gift of, of giving sometimes can just feel responsible for all the needs around them, you know, financially, and they can get stressed out and wound up and have to recognize, you know, that's overusing a strength. People with the gift of service just sometimes feel like Guilty if I'm not busy all the time. So you have to watch out. The enemy, the devil, can play your gifts against you as well as God using your gifts for him. Well, I started by saying the unique person living inside of your skin is unlike any other human ever born or ever will be. And it's the handiwork of Almighty God and worthy of understanding so that we can follow what Paul said when he said, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice and renew your mind. 
according to the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the chance to just explore in detail some of your amazing invitations to come and be a part of eternity. Lord, I pray that each of us would identify fears when they occur and then obey you anyway. Help us to hear your voice when you challenge us to step out in faith, even if it's scary. Remind us to do it scared. And Lord, help us to assess well so that we can grow and mature and learn what is and what is not our assignment. And to identify and affirm the gifts in those around us so that we're all charging forward, becoming the body of believers you designed us to be, Lord God. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. All right. Ice cream, popcorn. See you next Sunday. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to join us in person, we gather on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. We have great music and worship, a stimulating message for the adults, as well as Sunday school for our Wildfire students and True North kids. We'll take great care of your nursery-aged kids as well. If you haven't already found us online, we're at rccfoursquare.org. Now, here's a final word from Pastor Kevin. Do you ever have thoughts about your purpose in life? Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Or maybe you walked away and it's time to come home. You know, really our walk with God is about a personal relationship with Him. That's what He wants. I believe that's what we want. I encourage you to take a few moments and allow this message to sink in. Allow His Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. You know, the Bible says that if we draw close to Him, that He will draw close to us. So do that today. God bless.